Welcome to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. Social media is hard, but trying to do social media as somebody else is impossible. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Do you hate seeing yourself on camera? Are you unsure of what platform to be on and how often to show up there? Well, join the club. On every episode, you'll hear a real life person talk about their successes and struggles on social media, how they overcame their own insecurities, and they'll give practical insight for you to apply today. So if you're ready, let's start the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Social Media Mindset. And you are going to thank me for this episode because I have a a very special guest for you. She is an author. She is an entrepreneur. She is a leader. She is going to teach you essentially how to work less but achieve more. That's that's kind of the way that, that I would put it. Guys, she... Has has shared the stage with some big name people that I don't I wouldn't even do it justice to rattle them off. We'll try to get to some of them in your stories. But but guys, welcome Chris Ward to the show. Chris, I'm I'm so excited to have you. Oh, I the honor's all mine. I love your energy. I can't wait to dive in, Kyle. So I, I love for people right to get an idea of kind of who you are before we we just jump in. So in in 60 seconds, can you give us a little bit of depth into just Chris the human before we jump into Chris the expert? Well, you know what? That's a great comment. I think the human and the expert, an expert is a strong word. You're using it, not me, but I, I think they're one and the same. So for me, where it started, um, I started my marketing agency almost 14 years ago. And the first okay. two years I was in business, I worked insane hours. And as my husband said, I was always stealing from sleep, getting up earlier and earlier and staying later and later. And I was told about the two-year mark that I was starting to lose some of my charm. And I thought, well, this cannot be. (laughs) Yeah, this can't be, right? These people are cheering me on, supporting me now, apparently being cranky with. So I literally went from working 16 hours a day down to six. Now, that did not happen overnight. That's a story on its own. Um, but luckily I did because it was a couple of years after that, that my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer and mm. I was pulled away from the business for about two years. And when I returned after his passing, my existing clients had no idea of my absence. They, they, it was just not how we navigated his journey. We we're very positive in nature. And, and so then people started to approach me and say, Chris, like, how could we have not known you were away? And so then they started to ask me, like, if you did that, maybe you could help me get to my kids' soccer games and stop ignoring my family on the weekends. So one thing led to another. And I found out really quickly, these people I was helping and working with, they all had been in business quite some time, but were working way too many hours for where they were in their journey. And that's where I thought, how can I help more? And I wrote a book and things kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. So- How'd I do with my 60 seconds? <laughs> Whoa, that that was that was incredible. And and so there, there's so many things to to jump in on. I I, I want to hear your opinion on the the kind of the perspective. I, I feel like now people love the word grind and yeah. hustle. And we almost wear this as a like as as this proud, like it's 2 a.m. and I'm crushing it. Like What's your opinion of kind of that type of entrepreneur that really like takes pride 
in the fact that they just work longer hours than everybody else does. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I remember talking to my mom one day and I said, who knew I would have to learn not to work so hard? Like that is it. That is, I mean, right from grade one, they say, oh, she's not rising up to her potential. She could apply herself more. She could work harder. That's the biggest compliment you could give anybody. But here's the thing. I can speak from my own experience, but studies show time and time again, you get diminishing results that if you're putting in 70 hours a week, studies show over and over again, you are achieving about 52 hours worth of work. That's it. The more you work, the lower the return on your investment. You're not a machine. In fact, in my book, When the Hour, When the Day, there's a funny story where, I mean, you guys can relate to my impatience. I would not shut my computer off at night because my heavens, when you came in in the morning, it might take what, three, four minutes to boot up? Who has time for that, right? That's right. You're like, come on. So my computer crashed and I had taken it to the the computer tech people. And they said, (laughs) this is what they said to me. They said, your computer is exhausted. You never let it sleep. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. Oh, it's getting more sleep than I'm getting. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Right. So I realized, oh my gosh, I killed a computer because it was tired. And yet we have this idea that everything is about, you know, push through, grind it out, all that stuff. It's so counterproductive. Yeah. So counterproductive. So why, why have we, or why have most of us been so easily convinced that the grind method is the best method? Well, you see a lot of heroes online beating their chest, telling you how they grinded it out in the day. And the reality is what they're doing is just making a hero story of an ill-planned journey. Okay. Mm. So there's that. So then, you know, so good. Right. And so then you, you can't prove them wrong. So you're like, all right, they make millions of dollars. I must try it their way. And so you're going to grind out doing that. It also stems from, there was a time when we were all of us, and you know, even the school system is set up based on manufacturing and hourly rate wage and all that type of stuff. We're not there anymore. So that, productivity of producing widgets in a factory setting is outdated. We're now about information. It's really about how can you constantly compress what you're doing? You need to have bandwidth on your calendar to get to the next thing. That's what being an entrepreneur is about is getting your ideas to execution. So whatever you do, like I swore hand to God when I got my book out that I would never want for anything again, right? <laughs> Let me get this book out. You know, when you're a kid, if I get this, I will never right. ask for anything again. You know, cut to, well, now I had to launch my podcast, when the hour, when the day podcast. Okay, listen, I got to get that up. So I needed bandwidth, not only on my calendar, but on my team's calendar to reach that next ambition. And yeah. that's where people go wrong. Okay, so I I have to know this because I've been getting, you know, my first book is coming out in less than a month. And so I'm already getting questions from people that, you know, that are that are like there's plenty of books about social media, like why are you writing one? Right? And so for you, it you didn't write the first book ever about productivity and being more intentional with your time. And so why did you feel such a deep rooted passion and desire to write a book when there were already other books that that could be similar in some form or fashion. Like what was that driving force for you? 
So the reality is we all know we don't invent new ideas, but what we do is we have different perceptions of existing ideas. So one of the fundamental things that I felt was, yes, this, my book isn't about, I guess it's under the category of productivity, but so often you hear about productivity and it's really about productivity hacks and stuff. And what I say is if you have the setup correctly, you don't need hacks. Like somebody Mm. who is uh, an athlete and they compete, they don't need fitness hacks because they got everything in play. They have a system that works, right? So what I wanted to do is exactly like you're doing for me, Kyle, is I wanted to mystify all the faulty information that they had been given and they were taught the wrong way. And really no one teaches them not to manage their time, but really to manage their energy. That's what we get misdiagnosed Mm. with. It's how much fuel do you have you should be able to start your day refreshed and leave fresh because your brain power is what you need to get you through the day. You should be able to be at the same level of effectiveness at 3 and 4 p.m. as you were at 10 a.m. So I wanted to educate people like stop thinking more hours is a solution. Hard work isn't the answer or you'd be where you wanted to be by now. So let me introduce you a really basic concept that seems to be very enlightening to people. And this is really like, 101. This is like a baby step, like teaching a kid how to crawl. This isn't even the essence of what we do at all. But for most people, they don't put on their calendar what, you know, what they do is they put outside forces. I have an appointment with Kyle. It's on my calendar. They don't put their regular day-to-day work on their calendar. And they'll say, Chris, I do that every day. I don't need to remember it. Mm. And that's not about remembering. Your calendar is your time bank account. The highest achievers in the world, the millionaires, the successful people all utilize their calendar as the Jeep, the blueprint for their business. So for you to say to me, I don't put that stuff on my calendar. I do it every day. Here's the thing. That's like saying, Chris, that car comes out of that bank, car payment comes out of my bank every month. So I don't count it. Don't worry about it. It comes out every month. Well, the money's gone. Yeah. You have to count that. So the same thing with your calendar. So when you're not putting things on your calendar, your work in the business, even like, oh, I need a half hour for emails. What you're doing is you may be stumbling into the workday thinking you have eight hours, but you may only have five. Wow. So then you're set up to fail before you finish your coffee. Yeah. So can we, can we do like exercise, like why we're on this episode together? You could, it's your show. You're in charge. (laughs) Well, but I mean, you're, you're, you're far more big time than me. So even though it is my show, I want to honor your wishes and desires. Well, I'm here to play. I'm here to play. I suck at my calendar, right? I do exactly what you say you shouldn't do it. My calendar is full of only the appointments that demand my attention. All the things I go to bed thinking about that I know I need to do just sometimes happen to happen in between all of that other stuff, right? So hopefully I represent a normal entrepreneur salesperson that struggles with this. So what, what does the beginning conversation look like as you are trying to kind of discover like where my unlock exists for you to help the most? So when you start working with us in the winner's circle, that's one of the first things we do is we teach you. And like I said, this is really like, if you're going to the gym, I'm teaching you how to tie your shoes before we start lifting weights, right? Sure. So yeah. We start with the calendar and we do a calendar audit and I start showing you how you can 
see like, oh, like, you know, so many people are running off a to-do list and a to-do list are not in increments of time. They're not in chronological order. You don't know if this thing is two hours or two days or where, if it's two days, where do you come back in the middle of that project to pick up where you left off? Yeah. Really what it is, is this percolating list of emergencies. Because until mm. it becomes an emergency, then you're like, oh, it's at the top of the to-do list, right? So true. Yeah. So for me, I remember the day when I finally started putting things from my to-do list into my calendar and I saw, Oh my God, because my, I thought my superpower was going as fast as I can, you know, and getting, you know, getting stuff done, just run out, run time. And when I started to put things in the calendar, I was like, well, no wonder I'm not like, no wonder I worked till 10 o'clock on Monday. And then I, it falls over into Tuesday and by Friday I'm exhausted. Like it, this math doesn't fit this math. Mm. So it's very sobering when you get rid of the to-do list and then you start using your calendar. It also allows you a big part of what we do is what we call creating our super toolkits, which are like systems and processes on steroids that compresses time. But also it allows you to start building your team because adding people to chaos does not calm anything. You just have more chaos. Right. And then usually the outsourcer leaves because like they know you're going to turn on them at any moment because everything's just a dog's breakfast, right? So it really is the GPS for your business. I mean, here's a really quick example. Think about it like this, Kyle. If you were driving from, say, New York to California and you had a GPS, you'd know immediately when you're off course, you know what time you're going to get there. You know if you right. missed a street, you know all that stuff. If you gave, if I gave you a to-do list for that same trip, it would be like, okay, bring some money, bring some clothes, here's some snacks. None of that would determine the outcome of the trip. And yet you're running your business off a to-do list. Right. Does that make sense? Does that yeah. ring a bell? Does that ring Absol any of your bells? <laughs> Absolutely. What 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 I what I can't stop thinking about right this second is gosh, how my team could have used you two years ago when I started growing it and they just were entered into my chaos. And their first task was to sort through this mess solve these problems and gosh it uh, god bless them for remaining faithful and a part of what we do because i wasn't doing them any favors no and that is a really good point because i hear that from you know we do find train and uh, we do hire and bring on board the outsourcers for anyone in the winter circle and we do that because we don't have the time for you to sort that out and be a learner sure. we will teach you how to do it but we want to just get it done because here's a couple of things you brought up that are super important. First of all, then when they land, they have to interpret the chaos and they don't know it and they can't parent you. They can't say, listen, right. Kyle, I've made this system for you and I've spoken to you twice. You're not following it. So you're putting them in a really bad position. Yeah. Secondly, what I would say is probably they've maybe gelled a little bit, but what you probably have is a couple of people with slightly different processes and systems for managing stuff because they're not coming together. With the super toolkit, what would happen is a quick story is we had somebody in our team that she'd been with us a couple of years. And then with all the crazies and the lockdown and all that stuff, she found out two weeks before Christmas, not this year, the year before, that she was now going to go to Canada and be an international student. She had applied years ago and all these things happened. All of a sudden she was given two weeks notice. So two weeks before Christmas, I she's like leaving. Well, I hire somebody. We switch the super toolkits over to the new person. I meet with the new person January 5th. She's up to 80% capacity. 
that person who left me did not leave with, oh, well, she does it this way and here's her notes and here's all that stuff. So the super toolkits allow you to have any hiccup or bump in the road. And they also, this is traditionally a big mistake when people hire. They follow the way we've been taught in jobs, which is a very parentified system. I hire you. I check on your work like a parent child Mm -hmm. student thing, and I've created a new job. These super toolkits allow them to work independently, come up with ideas, and then you're not, you know, you're, you're, and they also constantly compress time in your calendar so that all of you can move forward to the next idea. So I would argue, Kyle, a lot of people we work with do have a team and there's still some, what got you here won't get you there. It's kind of like saying, well, this, the coach at the gym has sure. done really well, but what I want to do is really get in shape. And so I, I I need to get it up a little level. So I think that they probably did you fantastic, but you probably could still find a lot of free time in your calendar. Absolutely. So you, you've talked about the the super toolkits multiple times. What, what do those look like? How do people gain access to those? You mentioned the winner's circle. Yeah. Can we, so can we super, talk a little bit about that? Sure. We can talk about anything. I'll tell you anything about my weight. Okay. How's that? You got uh, it. Okay. So the winner's circle. Yes, we have uh, really, we're quite proud of it. We just started a couple months ago, instead of, you know, doing one-on-one clients, we're now making it more accessible, less of an investment and more access. So it's a different price point. So really, I really do want to create a movement where your business yeah. supports your life, not consume it. So I want as many people as I can to help uh, because I do hear from people all the time. Like they're saying, Chris, you literally saved my life. Cause you know, I'll tell you a lot of people come to me where they had very serious accidents if you read my book, numerous times I had very serious kitchen fires because I just thought I could answer one more email. But anyhow, so oh my gosh, so there's there's a winner's circle, uh, the super toolkits. That's a whole process of we. It's a whole process of how we show you how to make them. It's not complex, but the order does matter. What I would tell you, what it's not, and here's where people get confused: systems and processes where you dealt with them in the corporate world, whatever job you had. They're static in nature. They're not written by the end user and they're mostly there to cover liability. Okay. And so they don't serve you. So when you hear systems and processes, people go, ah, I had a job. It was horrible and they didn't work and they don't, right? It's just there to cover liability. So this super toolkits are breathing dynamic documents that constantly compress time and allow you to move forward. Mm, So that's the difference there. Also, people tend to confuse processes with training. So you might have something and now you've got some training manual steps in there and some pictures and things like that. So what you're doing is training the user. Oh, yeah, I already know how to do that. I was trained on that. So I'll skip that step and that step. And so you're teaching people how to disregard information instead of making it tight, concise to Mm. compress time. Wow. Make sense? Yes. So... In in my world of of marketing, and I guess our world of marketing, because you you've done marketing as well. When when I like, how can I do a better job as as a as a coach of marketing, loving on encouraging salespeople and entrepreneurs to be more present online, right? Create content, do all of these things. How could I do a better job of? using really like your strategy, win the hour, win the day, as I am teaching them to spend time doing some of these things. 
Yeah, that's an excellent question because the problem is, you know, if people look at social media as a never ending beast you have to feed and like, yeah. bloody heck, I don't have enough time to do what I have to do. And now you want me on there being social, like right. that's not working. And so that's exactly what I'm saying is you can do anything you want and you can do it well. It, this whole, I still call myself a recovering rushaholic, this whole idea <laughs> that I could just rush the rush, you know, when I was rushing all the time, things were at surface level. I wasn't getting right. any depth or traction. I was doing just enough or hopping on LinkedIn and do this. Is that enough? Have I socialized enough? Let's go run to something else. So that's exactly what I would say to you, Kyle, is the, the you know, this sounds self-serving, but if you were working with us or you get more and more mastery of your calendar, then you can show people that this is something that contributes to your business. And when you have the bandwidth on your calendar, then it doesn't become an obstacle. It doesn't become a chore. It becomes something that like everything else on your calendar that you look forward to doing and that you're good at doing and you're focused on it and it has its place on your calendar instead of what you told me at the top of the hour is, oh yeah, I just stuff it in between everything else I'm right. trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It it never happens when I just think I'm going to have time to do it. No, or people traditionally say, well, I'll just, uh, I'll try to, I'll answer my emails and do my social media in between everything else, right? right. I mean, first of all, let me tell you about decision fatigue. Never mind, deci uh, there's decision fatigue and then attention residue. Every time you hop from an activity and then hop back, Think of it like I, I've done a video where I just put shaving cream on the wall and then I wipe it off. It doesn't mm -hmm. all come off. And every right. time I go and do something, think of more shaving cream on the wall that I wipe off. So attention residue, when you're hopping all over the place, you don't come back with the same focus. It's like you leave little tentacles behind. So as you bounce around and think you're being efficient, I assure you, you're not. It's 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 a great illustration. And I, I, I want to ask you about like in, in the different topics that you love talking about, one, one of the ones that, that resonated the most with me, because I think most people suck at this, is how to execute your ideas fast, right? Most people just sit on them and sit on them and, and try to create the perfect moment for that execution to take place. Talk to us about executing ideas quickly. Well, I have tools that most people don't have. So I have these super tool, super tool kits that mean everything I do, I don't use up brain power and that I do it more and more efficiently. Because with super tool kits, we cue them. We create, use, and edit them. We're constantly editing saying, can we skip this step? Do I need to do this? Can somebody else do this? So we're always saving time, creating more bandwidth on the calendar so we can move to the next thing, right? Then I know how to use my calendar more effectively. And one of the very few things that people miss about having a job is the dependability. Like, oh, I do this on Mondays. I do that on Friday. There's some ease and grace to that. Well, when you know how to use your calendar and you start looking at where your energy serves best for myself, I tend to do all my videos on Monday for social media or networking. Okay. Anything I'm going to do a video. I'm re-energized Monday, hair and makeup. Here we go. Right. I tend to get sloppy by Friday. I'm just wearing, you know, sweats and I'm doing content. I'm writing blogs yeah. on Friday. Here we go. So what happens is, is I'm just setting it up so that I'm most efficient with my energy. And then I have the bandwidth to take these things on. So my calendar, I know 
hey, we have this idea. I've met with my team in our little mini scrum. That's a whole nother topic. Your meeting should never be more than 15 minutes. Okay. And then because my calendar is set up to be highly efficient and because these super toolkits compress time, then it's just a matter of I'm going to do this this week. It's going to start Thursday and it will be done. It's not the obstacle it needs to be for everybody else when you have some things in play. So uh, let, let, so let's let's talk about like Calendly for a second sure. or any or any you know tool out there that that lets people connect to your calendar. Most people I think they just think by instantly adopting Calendly, I've taken something off my plate. I don't have to go back and forth with people anymore. But what I hear you saying is you're not owning your calendar at that point if you're just giving your calendar to people to book on any day they want, any time they want. And so like, would you coach people to like, like I only record podcasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Perfect. So when you go to my Calendly for my podcast, you can only select from those two days because I do not have time on Mondays and Fridays. And I like to keep the midweek open for travel. And so is that like the intentionality that people should like, they should have five or six Calendly links that could be to different things to different little spots. Like what should that look like? So I think you're talking about two different things, but both are okay. really important. So one, good for you. You're doing batch work. You're saying, look, here's some access that you can have. And I, I'm not going to hop on a sales call and then a podcast interview, bing, bang, back and forth. So I made these two spots available for you and pick as you will. That's fine. So that's like batch work. Excellent. But then the access to the calendar is really quite trivia. It's automation thing. That's the least of our worries. Although people do tend to think that automation solves everything. But if we go yeah. back to the days of widget, I would say to you, okay, great. We have this factory, this machine that's going to produce 3000 widgets, but somebody still has to supervise it. You can't walk away and come back yeah. three weeks and go, oh, we thought it was producing. We were gone for three weeks and it didn't work. So there are some things you can put in play and that's great automation, calendry, fantastic. But when I'm talking about your calendar, it's the fundamental setup. It's the principles of how you prepare and manage your own work and your team's time and how you navigate through the day. What you link cal calendar to is really minor. It's like icing on the cake, right? That's not really the big obstacle about teaching people how to use their calendar. It's them managing their own time. Like we said before, okay. you're letting everybody else, if you had a dentist appointment, if you have this meeting with me, if you whatever, it's just hodgepodge. And then I'll look at your calendar and I'll see three hours of a vacant spot on Thursday afternoon. I'll say, oh, excellent. You got Thursday afternoon off. Oh, no, no. I just don't have any appointments. I'm just, I got all this work I got to do. Well, what work? You know what I mean? We You can't measure, you can't improve what you don't measure. So right. it's really understanding how you're going to be strategic about your work. Okay. And another little concept here that I talk about all the time too, and this might ring your bell as well, is I talk about working backwards, right? So working backwards is like this. We do it in our personal life, but we don't do it in our business. So you might decide Thursday morning at 11, I've got a dental appointment. It's an hour away. I got to leave at 10. Oh, you know what? I like to work out or it takes me an hour to get ready. So that's nine. I want to work out at eight. So all of a sudden you're getting up at seven in the morning to be at 11 o'clock dental appointment. Right. When we have our business, so many of us get a new client, you hop in, you dive in enthusiastically. You just got paid. You're so available to them, which by the way is temporary until the next client comes along right. and you just start doing all the work and, oh my gosh, you got to do all this work. We're so excited about this new client. 
but you really don't have any solid measurement to say, like, let's say you're a web company and you're like, okay, we're going to build a website. If you need that done in eight weeks, then you should know in seven weeks, they need to proof it. In six weeks, you need to have the images. In five weeks, you've got to double check the copy. So all of a sudden you realize, oh, if I don't have my first draft done by Tuesday, we're already behind. Right. So you don't work backwards. So you just dump stuff on your calendar until the next thing comes in and you dump more. Right. So that all ties into what we call the team, the toolkits and time. Those three pillars we really help you with. So they all weave together beautifully. Mm, okay. Is in, in all your work in doing this, is there like one type of calendared appointment that we're not currently doing as normal people that don't think about all this and don't know you yet? Is well, there like I- one or, or could it be anything for anybody? I think what you're, are you asking like the calendar categories? Yeah. Like just if in, in all your years of doing this and, and you, you talk to people all the time that they, all they calendar is the literal tasks with people involved. Yeah. 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 But they don't calendar five, six, seven, eight different things. Well, they don't calendar your own work. They don't put your work on it. You don't have your work on your calendar, right? So you have all the outside appointments, but you don't have the blog or the writing the copy for the social media or when I'm recorded, when will I record the videos? You don't have, okay. you don't have any of that. Yeah. You just have outside appointments on there. Is there a, if, if I say, okay, cool, I'm going to start calendaring like my work time. Yeah. Do you have like a belief system that we should never calendar more than 60 minutes at a time or 30 minutes at a time? Like, is there a flow to that? Yes. Win the hour, win the day, my friend. What I would tell you is you want to do things in one hour increments with okay. the, the understanding that at the end of that hour that you're going to have like you go to the bathroom, get your water, water, whatever. So it's really like the 50 minute hour. If let's say I was working, you're working on your, your book, Kyle. If you say I'm going to work on that Friday afternoon, that is just an open hot mess. If you say okay, from one to two, I'm going to proof chapters one to six. From two to three, I'm going to work on the contacts with the cover. I'm going to do all this stuff. You want to break it down because then you can see when you are off the rails. When okay. you can, If you have all afternoon to work on your book, what does that mean? And you don't know an hour in if you're two hours behind. But And also you tend to, if you set the timer and have it to go off in an hour, then you know like, okay, you. it also helps you avoid distractions. If somebody gives you a call, you're like, oh my gosh, I got 10 minutes to finish this first draft. I'll have to get back to them later. If you've all afternoon to do that, you're all of a sudden you're chatting. Now you're hungry. Right. You know, it all bleeds out. It happens to me every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day. So Chris, I love to ask people the question, what do you not get asked that you wish you got asked more often? Well, I know you asked that question. That's a great one. I I always stuff it in, but I do think people don't ask me enough about teamwork. I think they don't understand there is leadership language. When they work with us, they start to see the power of how I correct my team, somebody new. I really teach them independence and confidence, how to rephrase things because I want them to be independent. I want them to, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. And gosh, darn it, I am because these people are really smarter than me. Yeah. And especially where I, you know, we've got the luxury of outsourcing. 
and you're paying somebody five, six US dollars an hour. And then people just be dismissive, like, oh, the Philippines, they're very submissive. So you have to work. No, no, no. Everybody's submissive when you're working with closely with what your boss. Like I've worked for small companies back in the day, and it is. It's even worse because there's two or three of you now like, oh, the boss's wife is mad at him. So he's cranky and here I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so much you can do because here's a really quick example. If you were an ocean liner and there's like 500 people and something happens, you're like, okay, you're going to find the people that, all right, they look like they got it going on. And so maybe there's only a hundred or 200 and you're fine. But if you're in a rowboat and there's three of you, and something happens, you better be sure that that team is strong and right. solid and cohesive. And yeah. people don't talk about company culture with one or two people. They think that's something that somehow falls into play yeah. when you've got three, 400 people. It, I, that's huge I th- be, because I, I know culture is huge for us. Leadership is huge for us. Um, in the real estate space where I work mostly right now, the turnover is so significant. Most of the companies, like they don't really spend a lot of time on culture because they've kind of decided like 80% of this room isn't even going to be here in two years. And it, I think it's, it's why the industry is as narcissistic as it is. It's why the turnover is as high as, as it is because no one is truly investing in people. They're just trying to make the front door bigger because they're accepting of the churn rate and it's a, it's a super ugly thing. And so I, I think that's huge. I think in that industry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, and I was just, I I wanted to ask you, like, I know it sounds like y'all have a lot of leadership curriculum inside of what you do, Mm -hmm. but I would love to know like who have been some of the voices in your life from a leadership perspective that you've learned and and gleamed from over the years. You know, funny enough, and I'm not sure if I ever told him this, uh, I met my husband when I worked with him and people would wait years to be on his team. And he was very, uh, he, he had leadership skills that I don't think he understood. Um, and he was very much about, I mean, it's silly, but he'd say, I'm working with adults, treat them like adults. And that sounds ridiculous, but this is how but we're back to that parentified system, Right. Or something I never did, but I see people say all the time, like, let's say I'm in a job and I I can't make a decision on that topic. I'd say, well, I can't make that. De-. Somebody would say, I can't make that decision. I have to speak to my supervisor. Well, then why are you not meeting with the supervisor? Right? right. I mean, that makes no sense. So I would say, you know, let me, I have to look into that. I'm not sure. I I, I really need to think about what we're going to do with that. And that was me stalling saying, I have to check with who's going to give me permission. So. Right. I knew to do that, but he would teach other people to do that. Like, you know, you have to be the agent of change. Don't make it, I'm the man behind the scenes pulling the puppet. So I really, um, I did learn a lot from him and how he treated people with respect and meant what he said and said what he meant. So that if you are sick, then stay home. Not like, oh, we tell you all the time that if you're not well, you should stay home, except for when it's not convenient. Right. Right. So good. Okay. So. Last thing I want to ask you, and then I want to make sure you share, you know, all your contact information with everybody so that they can connect with you. What is your favorite chapter in your book and why? Oh, wow. (laughs) Maybe the last chapter because it was done. Um, um, 
You know, the funny thing is, and you realize this, Kyle, after a while, you kind of, I don't want to say you forget what's in the book, but what's in the book and what I, like it begins and ends, right? Um, I, I think I would go back to really talking again about people and team. Uh, in the book, I talk about how I, I call it a, a struggler or a successful person. And a struggler has these behaviors and a successful person has these. And I, it allows you to self-identify. So people often okay. read the book. It's an easy read. It's a quick read. I worked very hard on that. And people will come to me, oh my gosh, Chris, I tried so hard, but I'm a struggler and I'm embarrassed. And so one of the things we talk about is when I first started outsourcing long before, like, you know, working with people in the Philippines, when this seems like an insane idea, or we also started having co-op students come through, we've had about 30 or 40 now. And when I talked to what I would determine to be a struggler, they'd say, Oh, it takes too much time to train them. And you have to babysit them. And then when I spoke to a successful person, like, yeah, that's really awesome. You can really leverage time, you learn a lot about yourself when you're training others, you can make manuals, the last student can train the next student. It's fantastic. Good for you, Chris, right? So it was just really seeing those two worlds and the power, the beauty and the power and the access and the ability to scale when you start building a team. And it's so crazy affordable now. I mean, it's a luxury that we never had 10 years ago. So that probably is my favorite part. I love it. Win the hour, win the day. People on video can see it over your shoulder. People listen on the podcast. You're going to have to go Google it. But Chris, how... How do people listening to the show connect to you online? Well, tell, you know, reach out anywhere, the socials, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever, and say, uh, you heard me on this fantastic show and we'll become fast friends. You can also check out free gift, G-I-F-T from Chris, K-R-I-S.com, free gift from Chris.com. Okay. Put something special for your listeners on there and it won't be there very long. All right. It's the free audio version of my book. So grab that. Thank and, you. And yes. Grab that for you guys. And like I said, act quickly. And uh, that would be another way to connect. Awesome. Well, I I can't thank you enough for coming on, spending some time with us, adding all the value that you have. I can't wait to go read the book. It, I From everything I've, I've seen and heard from you, it, it's, it's going to be a game changer for me. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Well, thank you. You give a very thoughtful interview. It's quite fun. I really appreciate your your energy. Well, thanks. I hope I hope everybody else appreciates it too. <laughs> so, guys, this is it. The end of another episode. We'll be back real soon with another person with an even cooler story. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow and reach out to my guest. Also, please consider sharing and leaving a review wherever you consume this content because this is the world we live in and your review online for others to see is invaluable for the success of this show. And remember, you're amazing. Talk to you soon.